This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so welcome everybody. Thank you all for joining. Um, before we begin, there is one announcement that I would like to um, uh, to mention, and that is a organization, a new organization, uh, that just started. The organization is called Siam Yomi. Uh, this organization, what the, the, the idea behind this organization is very, very simple, yet brilliant. Those, those are the best ideas, you know, the simple but brilliant ideas. And the idea of this organization is very simple, and that is that you're, everybody who joins this program, this organization, what all you have to do is just learn one Mishnah a day. And the idea behind this organization is that they get X amount of people, and then every single day, the entire the 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 entire college or whoever joined this organization finishes shisha surgery mission every single day. Meaning that. Let's say for, for argument's sake, I don't know the exact number, let's say there's 4,000 Mishnahs. So you have 4,000 people that join, and what happens is, is that 4,000 people every single day learn that one Mishnah, and then you complete the whole Shisha Surgeon Mishnah every single day, which is something unbelievable, it's something so simple. What is it going to take you? And you do it for about, if I'm not mistaken, you do it for 30 days. You do it for 30 days, learning the same Mishnah again and again and again and again and again, for 30 days, once a day. By the 30th day, first of all, you can know by heart because it's the same Mishnah. Uh, but, but secondly, it's going to take, it takes less than, than a minute. Um, uh, and I actually just sent in the email to sign up maybe an hour or two ago. So I don't know if they responded yet or not, but the, you could even choose a Mishnah that you like, uh, apparently, because I didn't know that until I, I sent out the email. So this is something that, that is amazing. And the, and the reason why it's amazing besides the idea of sim- simplicity, uh, the idea of why is it, it is amazing is that I very much like when people do things together. And when things, people do things together, it's, it's the achtus is something that, you know, this is something that I, I love. I, I strive, you know, like I, I connect to that very well. And I think, I think a lot of people do where you could together as a group, as a community, as Kalal finish something by doing something so little. And I'll give you another example. A great example is, uh, which I hopefully will speak about again a little bit later. I'm going to send, I'm going to send the link and I send the number in the, in the chat. Um, the, the, the beauty of, of like this idea is, is another organization that this organization that everybody knows that I am, uh, you know, I push very strongly something that I hold very dear besides Torah anytime. And that is an organization called dailygiving.org. Dailygiving.org is another organization where you by yourself cannot make a dent in something by, let's say, giving a dollar or two dollars to that organization. Granted, every piece of tzedakah, every dollar, every cent counts, especially in Shemayim, but you know, by yourself, there's only so much you can do. But collectively, imagine you get, you know, nine and a half thousand people to give a dollar a day, then you're giving an organization nine and a half thousand dollars a day. And by the way, that's what this organization does. They give me that org. They have, they're giving nine and a, I'm probably close to ten, almost $10,000 every single day. You're talking about historically, they've probably given close to $4 million, uh, I didn't check the stats, but uh, probably close to $4 million. Um, what, what, and it's just growing. And this is something that the only way that you're able to make a big dent in something, this is, uh, by, by, is by doing something collectively. You look at an ant, right? An ant by itself, is not able to cause much, 
you know, problems for humans or or growth for its own colony, but together, where, where you have thousands upon thousands of ants, you see where there's little piles of sand that are, you know, just like around your yard or on the sidewalk where there are so many ants that they tunnel through their little homes and they put all these sands out there. But one by itself wouldn't it be able to do it. But collectively, they're able to do, uh, I want to say the word damage, but it's not the right word. But you know what I'm talking about. They're able to do the damage or the good that they need to. So the idea of collective is so powerful, so strong. And of, of course, for, you know, like uh, in daily giving, that's financial. Siam Yomi is something, this is the organization that I'm talking about. Siam Yomi, it's called, is something that you make a Siam every single day. So you have, on one hand, the physicality, the financial aspect that helps all these organizations, that's a daily giving. Now you have something in the spiritual aspect, and that's Siam Yomi. So whoever wants to join uh, this uh, CM Yomi, you could um, you could call and leave a message. I don't know exactly the phone. I'll give you a phone number and an email. The phone number is seven one eight six six four Yomi, which is which is nine six six four. Again, that's seven one eight six six four nine six six four. Uh, or you could email them at joincmyomi at gmail.com. So I'll I'll say the you know I'll spell it out. J O I N S I Y U M Y O M I at gmail.com. A little bit of a lengthy email, but join that, or you could email me at rabbisitron.tor anytime and I'll send you uh, the, the email or the phone number. But this is, I think, a brilliant idea and I, I strongly you know, recommend people to uh, join and to do it. Of course, Daily Giving, everybody knows, is dailygiving.org. I mention it very often. If, you have, if you're listening to my classes and you haven't given at this point, unless if you can't give, then fine. But if you are able to give and you haven't given, I don't know what to tell you anymore, but literally pause if you're listening to this or recording this. If not, and just stop listening at this point to the share. Go to dailygiving.org and sign on because there's no, there's a, it's just like an awesome thing to be a part of. But soon to speak more about it. I have something I want to speak a bit more about it, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for a little bit uh, uh, later. Okay, so with that uh, little uh, um, introduction, uh, let us begin. Tonight we are learning. Le'ilu Nishmas Shmayahu, Rav Shmayahu Yosef Chaim Ben Yaakov Yisrael and Rav Shimon, Rav Zechariah Shimon Ben Yitzchak Hakoyin as well as Le'ilu Nishmas Yechaskel ben Abraham and Avram ben Chaim Yehuda. Okay, so this is um, for the people that are not on the Zoom call or, or that, you know, our regulars that Baruch Hashem, I'm very thankful for all the regulars that do join our Zoom call. Uh, but the people that are not on the Zoom, I just uploaded, a, the, you know, the, the class on Torah anytime. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I don't know, the days when they, they get blurred together. I, I'm, I'm I don't think it was today. I'm pretty sure it was yesterday where I uploaded the first part of the Hakar Satov, um, um, you know, mini series within the Amuna series that I, uh, that we started. But for the people on Zoom, we, we actually gave that class, I want to say like two months ago or maybe even more, maybe even like three months ago. It may have been before Perm that we actually gave that class. And there was just like so many things that came up that I wasn't able to give it. You know, you had Reb Chaim Knievsky, that was Nefter. And then, you know, we had we, we had Pesach. And then we had, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, you had you had uh, um, Reb Zechariah Walsh, and that was Nefter. We gave a share on that. And then you have different, like Ba'omer, different things came up. So now we're getting back into the, you know, the zone where we started off. 
And uh, so it's, it has been a while. So, and the, one of the reasons that I didn't upload the previous classes, I wanted to upload it in, in a, you know, like, like a continuous thing, not like one, you know, three months ago, you have to go figure out part one and then find it. But for everybody else that actually comes to the live, uh, the live Zoom, this is something that you might have remembered from a few months ago. We're not going to review it, but we're going to speak a little bit uh, of a, a little bit of a repeat just to, just to get an understanding. So. Today, the the focus of you know Hakar Satov or you know uh, gratitude is going to be more focused towards happiness. And when when you think about happiness, there, there's a few topics that I really like speaking about. Every speaker, from what I realize, has. Uh, from my understanding, again, maybe there are some speakers now that have some sort of the, something that they connect to, and they like bringing that up, you know, very often. It's something that they hold very dear to them, and they and they push it very strongly. And uh, most speakers, it's not just one thing; it's like multiple things. They're they're speaking, and they, there's a message. When someone's giving a class, when someone's speaking in public, they want to give where je- they should be. They should be wanting to give an idea, a message over to the people that are listening, to the people that are learning. And every speaker has their own. You know, like focus the own niche where they where they feel like this is very important, especially for Judaism, for the Torah, for things like that, and that's what they implement. So some do Shabbos, which is amazing. Some do Torah. Some do Chesed. Everybody has a different thing. Uh, and and I was thinking about it. I have, I can, I have a few things that are very very important. Uh, you, you know, to me, and I'm not going to go through the, the whole uh, list of it. But obviously, Amuna. This is something that we've been speaking for quite some time. Um, as well as you know, uh, understanding and realizing there's Hakadosh Baruch Hu in this world. Uh, these are things that are very, very important, and I speak about it often, probably because of the people that I speak to on, on a daily basis. But another topic that I that I find very important, uh, both in your spiritual well-being as well as your physical well well-being, and especially your emotional well-being, is that of happiness. It's something that we all strive for. In fact, everybody wants happiness. Um, and happiness is, you know, for some people, it's easier to attain than others. And not, not, not that we're blaming anybody or judging anybody, but for some people, it's more difficult to attain, to, uh, to, to tap into that uh, the, the happiness of life. When, when you go through any goal in life, there's usually multiple you know, routes to be able to achieve that goal. So let's say, for example, you want to lose weight. So if you want to lose weight, you have the, you know, the, the option of exercising a lot, or you also have the option of eating less. Now, they both can get to the same goal, but there are different paths that take you to the same goal. Some people, they go to hot sauna to reduce water weight. And everybody has a different thing of what they do. There are some people that have these crazy diets. They eat only meat. They eat only green things. They cry only. They don't eat. They just cry. And that's, and that's their diet. Everybody has their own thing. And, and again, whatever, it works. But th- you're all getting to the same point. You're just th- taking different, uh, different paths. Some are healthier than others, of course. But at the end of the day, you have one particular goal and you're just th- taking different roads to get there. You know, in, in spirituality, you have people that uh, connect to, to different, uh, you know, uh, um, ideas in, uh, in spirituality. Some connect to tefillah more than others. Some connect to learning. Some connect to chesed. There's different, but the idea, the, the goal is to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to get closer to God, to get closer to Hashem. And yes, there are some better roads than others, and there are some more powerful roads than others, but at the end of the day, when you're doing something spiritual, you're trying to get to the same location. So the same idea is for, for the emotional uh, goals. 
for for happiness, there are different roads that people can take. Some people uh, take pills. Um, that sometimes it's uh, temporary happiness and sometimes it lasts a little bit longer. Some people learn how to cope with difficulties and that's what helped them achieve happiness. Uh, you know, there are some people that focus on Imuna and that's what helps them with happiness. So the idea today is what I want to speak about is, is gratitude, Hakarata Tov, and how that can connect to, to happiness. The Gemara and Brachos, and this is something that we mentioned, you know, about two or three months ago when we spoke about the last class. Uh, for the virtual people last week, whenever you listen to this, the Gemara Brachos, page 58a, goes and speaks about there's two types of guests. And there is a good guest and a, let's call it a bad guest. The good guest, the, the Gemara says, would look at, the, they get, let's say, invited to a meal or to sleep over. Well, this is referring to specifically a meal. They're going to invite to a meal by their, you know, their, by their host. And they look at what the host prepared and they think, they're like, wow, look at how much effort the host extended on my behalf for me. Look at what they did. Look at how much wine he brought for me. Look at how much meat he brought for me. Look at how much bread and loaves he brought for me. And he did it only for me. And that's the way that the host sees it. The Gemara says, that's a good host. When you look and you see of what the host did for you, the guest, that's considered a good, uh, a good guest. What about a bad guest? What's a bad guest? A bad guest is a, is, is a guest that looks and be like, what did the host do for me? What, he gave, I ate a piece of bread? I ate a piece of meat? I drank only one cup of wine? Like, everything that he prepared or she prepared was for the, you know, for the family. I, you know, just, just came along and I just like, you know, snuck in and I took very, very little. So I said, so what did he do with me? And by the way, this is something that I think is very important. I, I don't think, you know, people that never hosted a meal can never appreciate how much it goes to hosting a meal. You have people that come as guests and, you know, sometimes they come, they cancel, they don't cancel, they come, they don't come, they show up, they, 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 uh, maybe they say thank you, maybe they, they don't realize of what it takes to host somebody. You know, you come to the house, if you're not a, you know, someone that's always very meticulous and everywhere everything goes and you have Baruch Hashem children in the house and the house is upside down, a guest comes, what do you have to do? You have to make sure that everything's clean. So it's a whole cleaning project. And then you can't eat on the regular dishes because you want to, you know, you know, honor the guests. You want to give the good day. And then not only that, you can't get the regular food that you eat. You got to go get better food. And there's so much prep. Especially from the woman side of things, that the men just walk in oblivious to everything. They're like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like everything looks the same. You know, like and they don't even realize the amount of prep that the women, the wives, the mothers go into this. You know, they don't realize. The guests don't realize. I hope that the husband would realize. The children usually don't realize, but at least the husband should be realizing that. But but you think about it, how much work goes into it. So what's a good guest? A good guest could go and say, "Wow, look at what the host did for me." A bad guest goes and be like, wait a minute, they're having the meal anyways. Like, I just tagged along. What did they do any different? A bad guest, in my opinion, a bad guest could only be a guest that has never hosted a meal before. Because if you've hosted a meal before, you realize of what work takes into it. Of what, you know, when, when... you host a meal, you want the guests to eat, you want the guests to enjoy, and you're looking at, and it's, and for many people, it's stressful, they're looking and be like, do you like it, do you like more, why didn't you eat anything, why, there's so many things that go, and sometimes they talk about it, what did they get, what did you think, they think they had a good time, they think they didn't have a good time, and you're going over it, there's so much work, emotionally, physically, sometimes spiritually, you know, so much work that goes into it, what is the difference between a good guest and a bad guest, is that a good guest can realize the work that went into it. A bad guest doesn't realize the work that went into it. They think they didn't, they didn't do anything. Says the Vilna Gaon. We are all guests in this world. 
let's be honest, it's not our permanent dwelling place as much as sometimes we forget that and as much as we think that this is not our permanent home. Uh, you know, we build a home and we live in it and we raise children in it and we, you know, like it, it should all be with blessing and a lot of siyafat d'shmaya, but at the end of the day, we're guests in this world. And we have to appreciate, we have to have hakaratatav, we have to have gratitude to what the host has done for us. If we go outside and we see a tree, you'll be like, wait a minute, God created a tree for me. Don't say, wait a minute, no, 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 God would have created a tree anyway, it was here anyway, I just came over here. That's a bad host. A bad host going and be like, wait a minute, the world was here anyways. No, a good host means like, look at what the host created for me. I know I'm saying host and guest way off, but you get what I'm saying. A good guest is someone that says, look at what the host created for me. You go out, you see a tree, and be like, wait a minute, Akadish Baruch who created this beautiful tree just for me. Like, enjoy it, appreciate it. Don't think, wait a minute, the tree was there 500 years or 100 years or 20 years before you showed up. No, no, no. That's like you going into someone's house and be like, you're going to have the meal anyway. Now that I'm here, it's going to make a difference. Don't be that bad host. You look at the blue, beautiful sky. Even if you, clouds. I was driving home from shul today. And you know, after after davening, after praying, and, and I was looking at the clouds. Sometimes, you know, the clouds look like mountains in the distance. And I was like looking at that and looking at the road also, you know, relax. I was looking at the road and the clouds, you know, both of them simultaneously somehow. And I was like, that is amazing. It's so beautiful where you could see a cloud that's like a thick cloud and it looks like a mountain. It looks like, like it's enjoyable to the eye. It's a beautiful sight to see. And even if you look at architecture, which, you know, initially, your first thought, it's man-made. But at the end of the day, who gave the chachma, who gave the wisdom that we would be able to correct, you know, create beautiful architecture? You see the idea of, you know, if anybody's not in the construction business, the idea of how there's doorways, there's windows, and the house doesn't collapse, and there's pillars around it. And especially if you look at the ancient architecture, if you go look at the Roman aqueducts, where they have, you know... Huge, heavy aqueducts where, where they carry water. And they're made in such a beautiful way. And many times, there's no even cement over there. The, through, our, through you know, uh, I, I guess the old technology, but really through mathematics and science, they were able to, go, not really science, it's just really mathematics and angular, you know, the, the, the idea of, of things, you know, being pressured through weights on, a, on an angular motion is where you have huge, heavy bricks that are in an arch that are not cemented. They're just being held in place because of their sheer weight. And there's nothing that's holding them in except for the weight and gravity. And they created this huge, huge, you know, aqueducts that, that go up so high and it, it, it's beautiful to see it. When you stop for a second, you think about it, be like, who gave them this wisdom? Who gave the idea when you look at it, Baruch Hashem al-Zaycha, to be able to, to, to see these things in person, when you look at it, be like, wait a minute, like, how did they begin to even think of something like that? Why wouldn't it just come crashing down? The idea, the beauty of math, the beauty of science, the beauty of all these things that Kedush Baruch Hu gave us, do we appreciate it? You drive down the street. Of course, I was preparing for this class. I was more keen to different, you know, things. When I was... Um, when, when I was uh, driving down the street, again, uh, back from, from, from davening, from praying, I, one of the things I was like, wait a minute, I'm like, the street is so smooth. Okay, you live in Brooklyn, and there's a pothole here, and there's a pothole there. Okay, we, you know, we understand that. But overall, the street is, is pretty straight. 
Yes, you'll bounce once in a while. Be like, where's all my tax dollars going into? I don't understand. I paid like 13 cents on the dollar, whatever, you know, like after I go, you, we did so much. Where's all my, where's all my taxes going to? You know, relax for a second. Appreciate what you have. You have paved roads. Do you understand what that means? A paved roads? You know, in the olden day, a king would go through a dirt road that had rocks there. From my understanding, from my historical knowledge, again, which might not be that vast, but they didn't have people running in front of the carriage throwing away the rocks that were, that would, so the king could have a smooth sailing. So the king could just, there was no shocks in the carriages in the olden days. If there was a bump, the whole carriage went one side, lopsided, and then it went back down. And the king's going to be like, oh, I can't believe it. Like, no, that's the ground. That's what it is. Do we appreciate that we have solid ground that's flat and that we're able to walk on it? And unfortunately, what do we look at? Sometimes, you know, you have, especially in Brooklyn, um, you have a tree that grows. And it, and it grows out a little bit more than, you know, let's just call it it outgrows its sidewalk. And it begins to push out the sidewalk and it starts bumping up. Instead of looking at all the beautiful sidewalk that you have that you don't have to w- walk on mud, you look and you focus on that bump that you had because the tree grew too much. You know, you take a walk out on the street at night and there's lights over there. Do you appreciate the lights? Do, do, you know, there, there's so many things that we could appreciate and we need to because we're guests. We need to be a good guest. Do you appreciate what Akadish Baruch Hu did for you? Do you appreciate the air that you breathe? Do you appreciate the sky? Do you appreciate the streets? There's so many things that we could appreciate. You know, when you think about Akar Satov, and we think about appreciation, what do you think it does more for? When you say thank you to somebody else, do you think that it does more for you, or more for the other person? <clears throat> so, let me explain you know, the idea a little bit in, in, a, in a different light. Let's say you don't like somebody. Let's say you're, re, let's call it a grudge, or you're like really angry. You know, you're like, you see somebody, and you just boil up inside and be like, oh, this person. He's like, in your eyes, they're like equal to like, I don't know, Hitler or Stalin. They're like, like oh, this person probably, you know, like it just boils your blood, this person. And this person walks across to you and you see this person and you start, smoke starts coming out of your nose. You know, like fire is coming out of your ears. Your eyes, if they could just like, you know, shoot out Ayanhara, they would be just like zapping away. And you see this person across the street and you're looking at this person and you get so angry. What does that do to the other person? The other person could be having their ear... AirPods or whatever, there's wireless headphones, they're listening to a share, or maybe they're probably not Jewish, because they can't, whatever it is, right? They're, pro- they're, they're listening to music, whatever it is that they're listening to. They don't have a cure in the world. And you're sitting there across the street, and you're so angry that you wish a nuclear bomb explodes just in that, like, three feet. But no, nowhere else. God forbid you don't want anybody else to get hurt. But just, like, you know, really, like, disintegrate this person. You know, like a good nuclear, you know, like, you know, like, not like a torturing because you're a human being. But, like, you want this person to melt. You know, like, just, just like, melt. And you're sitting over there, and you're seething, you're burning, you're angry. And this person is listening to music. They're, they're, they have a skip in the step. They're dancing. They're, like, going great. Great. Everything is great, and you're. Who is getting more harm over here? The answer is very simple. You. You are being angry about that person. You have a grudge about that person. Who is having the worst effect in it? It's you. You're causing yourself more damage than anything that you could possibly cause another person. 
So when you don't like somebody else, when you have a grudge on somebody else, you hurt yourself more than you hurt the other person. What about when you're grateful for someone else? What does that have more an effect? You say thank you to somebody else. Does it have more an effect on you or on the other person? And based on the explanation that I just give you, this is my own understanding, I believe that, this, that, that it has, when you're grateful, it has more an effect on you than on the, on the other person. Yes, you say thank you, there's a good connection, it's, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're happy to hear that. But at the end of the day, when you say thank you, you're doing it more for yourself than for the other person. Now, the idea by saying thank you, the idea of being grateful, the idea of being appreciative is that you see the good. And when you see the good, when you're, when you're grateful and you're appreciative and you see the good, that's going to make you happier. If you stop for a second, you think about that. It's a very, very simple idea. And the idea is that if you see the good, you will be happier. There is no, that the equation is very, very simple. Meaning that if you want to be happier, one of the ways is just gratitude. Uh, you know, as far as it gets. When someone does a lot for you, the more you realize of how much that person did for you, the closer that you get to that person. Now, that person will obviously get closer to you also because they're constantly giving. And the idea of Ahava, the idea of love, that it's, it's all about giving. Ahav, the shorash of Ahava is to give. And, and, you know, and, and they will get that close connection with you. But when you realize and appreciate what the other person did to you, when you realize what your spouse does for you, your, your spouse, no matter how bad the relationship is, does so much for you. So much. You know, the, the, even in the Gemara, where there was a story where there was an Amara that had such a bad relationship, but he always saw the good in his spouse. He always saw all the good, but she saves me from sin, but she raises my child. He saw all the good things and he just focused on that. Like even if you have a very, very bad relationship, if you focus on the good, you'll get closer to that person. If we realize how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us, how much God does for us, you know how close we'll be to God? You know how important this topic is? This topic is the source of everything. This topic, you can connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu more like... God does so much for each and every single one of us. The problem is we don't realize it. And I'm speaking to myself also. Like, you know, like, it's easy now that I prepare for the class and I, and I, you know, I was driving, I was able to see the road. How many times do I drive and be like, wow, this is a smooth road? Like, no, you're thinking about 7 billion other things that you're thinking about. The last thing you think about is the road. Unless there's a puddle, then you think about the road. You don't think about... So, so... There's so much that we can be grateful for, and there's so much that we can be thankful for, that we only have to open our eyes and look at it from a little bit of a different angle or a little different type of lens that we could see there's so much out there. And you know how effect that has in your relationship? When you you, know, you want everybody wants to be closer to their spouse. Everyone wants, wants to have a healthy marriage, a healthy healthy relationship with their parents or their children or their boy, whatever it is. We all want to have healthy relationships. When you're grateful. When you realize the good that the other person does for you, whether it's on purpose or not, is irrelevant from your perspective, the way that you see it. Whether they realize it or not, it doesn't matter. The, idea, the, the end of the day is that they're there and they've done something. You have to focus on that. When you think about you know, the idea of hakar satov, gratitude to the other person and the effect that it has on the other person is also a major blessing. You think about two kids. One kid, you give a candy, and this kid, 
you know, they have a little kid, you know, like, you know, that cute, really, really cute age. I'm not going to say the age because everybody has a different age. But, you know, like really cute, cute age where you give the kid a candy and the kid will be like, for me? Wow. Thank you. So-. And this is the type of kid that's just like super grateful, you know, like that just makes their cuteness level like go sky through, yeah, through the roof. They're like, the cuteness level is on nuclear, right? You're like, they're like, I can't believe you gave me a candy. Thank you. So, and they're just going on and saying, thank you so much for the stinky little candy that you just lollipop on a stick, right? That you found in your pocket that probably went through the washing machine a few times. Who knows what it is, but you get, and this kid is so happy. Now you have another kid that you give one of those like new candies. Uh, you know, I don't know if you go to the Jewish kosher supermarkets over there and you see the new candies where it's like $3 a candy. It's a whole contraption or $30 a candy. I don't know. It has a little computer. When you think about sweetness, it injects sweetness into your mind. It looks like a toilet, but it's also a basketball and it has all these things. And you look at the candies, the Baruch Hashan, the Jewish nation was able to go and come out with, and you and you give this like amazing candy that you have to mortgage your house for to buy this kid a candy, and you give him this candy and the kid goes like, the batteries are broken. Like, I, I don't understand, I thought you loved me. You know, like, and be like, well, you know, like, I, you know, you have here two kids. One, you gave a, you know, candy that's been through the washing cycle probably three, four times. You can't even see the, what wrapper it is. There's no idea of what flavor that is. It looks like bleach at this point. And then you give, again, you probably shouldn't give that kid that, but you, whatever, like putting old health is a story that I made up. So it doesn't matter. So you give this bleach candy to this kid and this other kid, you give this, you know, toilet Super Bowl, you know, candy, uh, that's amazing and has batteries and it, and it tells you your future and it does all these cool things and you can ride it also as a bicycle and then you can fly in it as a jetpack. It's like a really cool. And one kid is like saying, Oh, you know, thank you so much for this lolly. I can't believe it. And the other kids be like, the batteries are broken. I don't know how to fill up the gas on this candy that you gave me. Like which kid, which kid do you want to give another candy to? If you stop for a second, there's no like that kid that just like you'd be like, oh, really? There's no battery? Give that back to me. You don't deserve it. You know, like, okay, go to your room and think about what you did. You know, like, and you get so angry. And the other kid be like, oh, it's so cute. You know, like, I remember this is so long ago, uh, you know. I guess it's Baruch Hashem, but maybe Baruch Hashem, maybe not. I don't know. There used to be a time where I used to go, people used to send me a lot of clips of little, you know, now not so much anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. But people used to send me a lot of clips where, where of like these, I guess maybe they thought it would be put into the class and be like, <gasps> I sent them that, 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 you know, that's mine. So this is something that went way back where there was a kid. I, I, I didn't remember this, I, you know, until like right now. There was a kid, if I'm not mistaken, got a present of an avocado or a banana, or an apple, whatever. It was a fruit. And they got this present, and they were like, what? An avocado? For me? And they were like, oh, thank you. I'm like, you know, by the way, avocados are expensive. You know, like, so I can appreciate it, you know, like that. But like, when, what, who is this Godel Hadar? You know, I don't think that kid was Jewish, but like the Hakara Satov that this kid had over here over an avocado or an apple or banana. I don't remember. It was a fruit. I'm pretty sure it was an avocado. Was so happy about it. Like, I'll buy you an orchard of avocados. Like, you know, like, what do you want? You want an avocado tree, a bush, whatever it grows on? I'm not sure. You know, like, I'll get you watermelon. Like, that's so amazing. You, When somebody goes and so grateful, you want to give them more. Imagine you have a charity collect, charity, charity, 
slow down, and we're centered. Got us a little. When I when I start combining words together, that means I'm speaking too fast. You have someone that comes to your door, knocks on the door, rings the bell. I don't know, whatever it is, right? Uses your you know knocker thing. Come, there's a charity collector. Of course, they're from Israel, and of course, they have a thousand and fifty kids that all need your help, and they are collecting charity. And you go. And you, uh, you know, you look through your purse, you look through your wallet, depending on what gender you are, right? And you go and you give them a $5 bill. Now, in your mind, this is a very $5 bill, you know, <laughs> you give them a $5 bill. And uh, uh, the, the charity collector has two options. Be like, wow, $5, thank you so much. And give you a blessing from today until tomorrow. Or they could be like, they could look at it, you know, you have... <laughs> I should really say this, but I will. You know, you have, sometimes you have charity collectors, especially the men know what, I'll, know what I'm talking about. You know, like you have charity collectors in shul. You know, you open up your wallet. They're, they're like, you know, all of a sudden, they're, they're your financial advisor. They're like looking and being like, what can you spare? Oh, what do you got over there? You got a 20, 50, 100? Okay, so um, remember about the 1,050 kids? It's really 10,500 kids. I forgot the zero. You know, like, and, uh, you'd be like, and you give them a $5 bill, and they'd be like, wait a minute, can you do better? Can you, like, you know, like, uh, as if you're put, placing bets at a roulette table, you know, like, what else you got over there? Maybe I see you have a ring over there. You have a gold watch. Maybe throw that in the pile, and the pot, and we'll see what we can get. And be like, you know, can, can you do the 20? So you have one charity collector that you give a $5 bill. They look into your wallet and they say, can you do a 20? Meanwhile, you have another charity collector that you gave $5 and they're blessing you from today until tomorrow, you and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-grandparents and your future ancestors and your future descendants and everybody in between and Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and this from anywhere from being a financial to success to having children, to having grandchildren, to having great-grandchildren to make sure that you'll be alive in about three centuries from now. They're giving you blessings from today until tomorrow. Who do you want to give more money to? Somebody that's more grateful or somebody that's not? And the answer is very simple. You want to give money. You want to give more to somebody who's more grateful. To the kid that's more grateful, you want to give more. To the charity collector that's more, you want to give more. Meaning that there are, not only does it affect us in our perception of the relationship of the person that we are, meaning that it affects us to say thank you more than the other person, but also for the other person it affects. Meaning that if you're grateful, they want to do more. You're grateful for your spouse, your spouse wants to do more for you. You're grateful for your children, your children want to even, you know, give you more nachas. You're grateful for your rabbi, you're grateful for your teacher, you're grateful for your employee. Imagine you go to your employer and you'll be like, wow, thank you so much that I have a job. Granted, it's weird and be like, what did you do wrong? And probably the first thing that comes out. But the idea behind being grateful, be like, I, I want to do more to somebody that's more grateful. Now let's take this, this idea to our relationship between us and Kaddish Baruch We all ask for so much. And we should. We, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. You should always ask more and more and more for Kaddish Baruch We ask so much from our Kaddish Baruch who do you think in this idea does Akadish Baruch have, you know, have a want? These are all words that I shouldn't be using. But who does Akadish Baruch want to give more to? The one that says, How come? I see that you have so much, Akadish Baruch. Why can't you give me more? Or to the other person be like, Akadish Baruch, you gave me so much that I don't deserve. Please, you know, can I have more? I know I don't deserve it, but please, can I have more? Who, what do you think is a more powerful prayer? What do you think is a more powerful thought, more powerful action when you go and you have a car of talk at this Baruch Hu? Now, I said I'm going to get back to daily giving. I want to get back to daily giving now. So, daily giving, the, the organization dailygiving.org, where you go and you give a dollar a day. You don't see this in a lot of organizations, but every single day you get an email. And the title of the email is 
if I'm not, if I'm saying, I'm saying this from memory, but I'm pretty sure it's thank you for your donation. The idea behind daily giving is like this. You give a dollar a day, but you don't actually give a dollar a day because then the credit card fee, it just doesn't really make sense. So you either pay monthly or yearly. You pay, let's say every month, $31, whatever it, whatever it comes out to, you pay, you pay that per month. They don't just send you one email sending, saying thank you for your donation, for that one-time donation. Most likely that you say thank you for the one time. They send you an email every single day that says thank you for your donation. And you don't even, you forgot about it. But every single day you get that email saying thank you for the, your donation and it tells you where that money went to. That, that's a beautiful idea. Now, some people don't like the email, it's too much, whatever, you can, there's so many ways around it, but at the end of the day, it's a beautiful idea. That's an idea of saying, you know what, and everything's automated, you know, at this point in time, you know, like, it's beautiful, where you could go, and you could give charity, and they're telling you thank you again, and again, and again. And you know what's interesting? Dailygiving.org, they don't take any money for themselves. That you're giving a dollar, hundred percent of that dollar is going to the organization. It's going to whichever organization you're you're supporting. There's, I want to say, there's over fifty organizations. Meaning that you're giving a dollar to this organization, and they're giving it to, to organizations that you never even thought about giving charity to. So it's so beautiful the idea over here where you could tap into so many organizations that you never even thought of. But not only that, they send you the information every single day saying, "Thank you." They're not, they're not getting that money. It's not like they're taking 10%. They're not like they're taking 10 cents of the dollar. They're not getting anything from it. 100% of your donation is going to that organization, which in itself is amazing. But not only that, they're going and they're telling you, thank you. They're just the middlemen and they're doing a lot of work and they're investing a lot of time, effort in this. Imagine that you do so much for somebody and then you come back to that person and you say, thank you for letting me do so much work for you for free. You know, like, and the, it's such a, and I, and I believe one of the reasons they're going to be, they are very successful, and because they're going to be even more successful. There's an organization, and that's what, for the people on the Zoom, heard me, you know, listen to that message before we started the recording. There's an organization that I'm also very close to, and that's A-Time, the infertility organization. And um, I, you know, wanted to, to, to confirm this, the, you know, to make sure, uh, before I mention this online, but... If there is a certain amount of donation that it's given, if it's over three hundred and sixty, if you give a donate this particular organization eight time over three hundred and sixty dollars, the founder of the organization, Rabbi Rosen, will personally call you up and say thank you for that donation, and you know talk to you. he will go and he looks at all the donations and he go, and he, he tries the, the the goal is he, what he told me he says he tries to get to everybody that's over three hundred and sixty dollars he calls them up. And he, and he says, thank you for your donation. And now he can't do it to every single one because then all day he's going to be sitting there and, you know, just making phone calls. But for, you know, think about that, the, the beauty of that, the appreciation. Now, when you donated a nice amount of money to an organization, and imagine you get that phone call, what do you want to do? I want to, I want to send them some more money. Look how beautiful that is. Look how amazing that is. So number one, we have to appreciate when somebody does tell us that thank you, gives us that phone call. But more than that, we have to think about like, who do we have to thank? Who do we have to go and thank? And not only that, we'll take it a step further. This is even for inanimate objects. You even have to be thankful for inanimate objects. You know that um, the first of the three makas of the three plagues in Egypt, they were performed through Aaron coin. Why Aaron? Rashi goes and points out over there in Shemais that the, the, the plagues 
of dams where they have blood of frogs and lice, they either came through hitting the water or hitting the ground. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was saved by the Nile. So, he, how could he go and hit the water, which was going to cause the Nile to turn into blood, if he was saved by the water? You know, the lice came from the, from the dust. Moshe Rabbeinu, the, 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 the earth hid the Egyptian that you know, was hitting the Jew, and Moshe Rabbeinu killed. He hit them and he saved them. So, how could Moshe Rabbeinu hit the ground to be able to go and create the light. So Aaron HaKohen had to go and hit it because Moshe Rabbeinu had something good done through water and through dirt, through, through the dust. The question is like, I don't understand. So Moshe would go and he will hit the Nile and the Nile will be like, what was that? What? Moshe? Is that you? After all that I've done for you, this is what you're doing to me? The ground is going to be like, Yo, what's up? You know, like, after everything that I've done it, the ground is more from the ghetto. Be like, what's up, man? Like, after everything that I've done it from you, like, this is how you're going to pay me back? This is how you treat me? Like, I, 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 these are inanimate. They don't have thoughts. They don't have emotions. What does it mean that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't hit the ground, couldn't hit the water? Let him hit the water. Okay, it'll be like, okay, I appreciate it, but what does it have to do? Like, the, you know, what, what does one thing have to do with another? And the answer is, is that gratitude is not centered around the receiver. It's centered around the person that says the thank you. It's a character trait that we have to build up. So it's not about the other person receiving that thank you, but it's about you giving that thank you. Now Moshe Rabbeinu, yeah, he could have hit the, the water, wouldn't have said anything. The water would have been insulted and wouldn't have responded to it, and, you know, like next time he asked for a favor. No, it wouldn't have made a difference. But it would have made a difference to him, be like he had to go and he had to appreciate what the water did. He had to appreciate what the ground did, even though it's inanimate. A more of a modern day example is Rabbi Yisrael Zev Guzman. Guzman, this was in, in, in World War II. The Nazis, when they, before they took over, uh, Rabbi Guzman used to go and used to walk with Rav Chaim Guzinski. And Rav Chaim would point out on their walks while they were talking and learning, be like, this, this particular bush is good for eating, this particular berry you could eat. And he would give him the knowledge, give, give over this Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Shal Zev, give him over the information that Rabbi Shal Zev at that point would be like, why do I need to know this information? But the rabbi was telling him and he was listening. And he was saying, this is good and this is not good, this is poisonous, this is you could eat. Later, the war broke out. And when the Nazis invaded uh, Vilna, Rav Guzman has to go and he, he, you know, he had to escape. And he escaped into the forest. And how did he survive? He survived based on the knowledge that Rav Chaim Ezra went and gave him and saying, this you could eat and this you couldn't eat. And that's how he survived. Later, as, uh, you know, when he, when he uh, went to Eretz Yisrael and he built his yeshiva, he, uh, he used to have bushes and outside of the yeshiva. And every day he would go and he would water these bushes. As Hakarsa told that these, you know, this is the reason that he survived the war. And the question is like, these are not the bushes. He didn't like grab some leaves and implant them. That same bush, you know, like, oh, your ancestor. He's like, no, it had nothing, no relations to the bushes that he was saved with in the, in the forest. But he had gratitude. The fact that these bushes saved these idea of bushes saved him. The berries saved him. So he would go every single day and he would water it. Now, 
he could have gotten anybody to water it. He was a Russian. He could have gotten anybody to go and water the plants. Why did he do it himself? Not because the plants would be like, hey, yeah, I remember what I did for you. No, it was nothing to do with that. The idea was that he, it was a character building trait. He felt like he was gating by watering that, and he was, because he was being grateful. You know, I spoke about this before. You know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have these smart devices in their home. You have Alexa, you have the OK Google, you have all these different smart devices in your home. You ask Alexa, whatever, what the weather is, whatever, you know, different, uh, um, you know, thing. you ask your Google, you know, all these questions. Should you say thank you after they responded? After they respond. Now, initially, why should I say thank you? So if you realize, okay, watch this, it's not a human being, but if it's for yourself, then yes, you should say thank you, because it's a character trait. You ask the machine, granted, they're not going to know a difference of whether you said, maybe they do, I don't know what data they collect, but most likely they have no idea if you say thank you or you don't say thank you. But when you say thank you, it's for yourself, you're growing as a person, you did something and now you're saying thank you for it. Now again, I'm not saying that you should or you shouldn't, but it's an idea to think about, something that, that you could contemplate. The Sefer HaKaredim brings down a, a Torah commandment in Devarim chapter 8 verse 2 that says, the Pasuk goes and says, V'zacharta es kol aderech asher halichcha Hashem alakecha. And it speaks about that HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and, and, you know, the entire way where HaKadosh Baruch Hu led you, Abayim Shana Bamidbar, the 40 years in the desert. HaKadosh Baruch Hu led the Jewish nation 40 years in the desert. During that period, during that period, there was there was mun, and the clothing didn't come out because of the nanei did not wear out because of the nanei covered. A person's feet didn't swell. There's so many miracles that happened. The sefer chayim brings down this is a mitzvah for today that if you remember the kindness, the chesed that Hakadosh Baruch Hu performed for our ancestors millennia ago, you know you're talking about. 3,000 years ago, there was something that was done good for our ancestors. When we express gratitude and we think for that, that's a mitzvah. Meaning that it, gratitude here is just, I just opened up another whole doorway of, of, of uh, another whole horizon of what we could broaden our, our minds to that we should be grateful for. If we stop for a second, we'll be like, there's a mitzvah to be grateful, to have a karsatov, to say thank you, to appreciate what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to our ancestors in Mitzrayim, you know, after they left Mitzrayim, through the desert, through all the, you know, the difficulties that they went through, and the, 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 the kindness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to us, we get a mitzvah for being thankful for that. Do you ever, you know, think about the idea that everybody that's alive today is because their grandparents, or their parents, depending on their age, or great-grandparents, because they survived World War II. Meaning that you're here today because your ancestor, your great-grandparents did not die in World War II. Did you ever in your life thank Hashem that your grandparents survived World War II? Because that's why you're here today. Like, why would I even think? People don't even think about that. You ever thank Hashem that your parents got married? You ever thank Hashem that you were born and you survived the birth? You know, you think about it, this is something that we're, we're okay, we think Hashem when we win the lottery, when we do close a big business deal, when we get married, blah, 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 then we think Hashem. But like, you could thank Hashem for things that happened to your ancestors and still get reward for it. And, and, and it's still a mitzvah and it's still, you know, a huge character building trait. 
You ever thank Hashem for doing something good? Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say you gave someone a ride. And you did a mitzvah, right? You did a good deed. You gave someone a ride. Do you ever say, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you, God, that I was able to do a mitzvah. I was able to do a chesed. You know, you have people that they just did a good deed. Be like, okay, God, now you owe me. You know, like, I got one on the board. So now, like, where's my shidduch? You know, let me close this deal. Like, there's people that think that way. Or there are people that will be like, wait a minute, I just had... And I just had that opportunity. You gave, I was able to give someone a ride. I, like, I was able to like, make someone smile today. Like, I just gave a little bit of tzedakah. Like, thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for giving me the opportunity to do something good. What is the difference by somebody who thinks for these opportunities for someone that, let's just say, doesn't think for those opportunities? Someone that thinks for an opportunity to do a mitzvah, when they see, they'll look for another opportunity. Meaning when you do something and you're grateful for it, you want to do it again. You want to do more of it. So when you're thankful that you did a mitzvah, you want to do another mitzvah. If you did a mitzvah, now you're waiting for your payday. You're not looking for another one. You're like, wait a minute, where's my payday? You know how many people that I speak about that are you know, becoming from or they become more religious and they hadn't gotten married yet. They haven't made a million dollars. They have all these things and all of a sudden they throw it away. That's, that's, you're doing that for completely wrong reasons. Obviously, keep on doing it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But the difference, when you do something good, and you say thank you for the good act, the good work that you just did, is worlds of different where somebody is just doing something good. You realize now you're going to appreciate it. Now you want to do more chesed. Now you want to do more mitzvot. You know, we all do good things. We're all good people at, in the heart. The next time that you do something good, say thank you Hashem for that. Say thank you Hashem for the good thing. The next time that you listen to a shir, the next time that you learn something, when you finish, say thank you Hashem for the opportunity that you just gave me, for the shir that I just listened to, for the Torah that I just learned. Thank you HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for that. Thank you for the opportunity that I was able to teach somebody else Torah. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I was able to listen to this year. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that I was able to listen to this year on Torah anytime. You know, like, there's so many things that if we just change our, 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 our focus, it changes our entire life. If you finish a year and you say thank you for that, you know what you want to do subconsciously? You want to listen to another year. You just want to, you know, tap into that. You give someone stuck and you go to this broker and be like, thank you, I this broker that you gave me the opportunity. You want to go and find somebody else to give tzedakah to. You know, I want to share with you something that I read from Rabbi David Asher. That, you know, on each of the Shalash Regalim, where does the time go? We just started. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, you don't even know. It's so late, and I just started. I was just getting them, getting the through the motion, and it's already past time. Oh, yeah. um, okay, now is where the part that I do a little bit of calculation in my brain, thinking if I should continue. No. No. I'm going to open up for questions now, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I, you know, I. <laughs> It is so funny. Like, I got through half. Where does the time go? Like, I don't understand. Um, and I'll tell you why I'll stop. I'm, I'm going to stop now, and I'm going to continue more. And I, I believe I spoke about this before. It is very, very... Oh, 
I gave, I, gave, I gave an excuse on the last class. Okay, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. So you remember that. It's important to implement these ideas. And if I overwhelm with a lot of information, and if I go over too much, I believe that for the majority of people, it gets too much to implement it. And it, it, the goal really is, and uh, you know, for people that have been listening to my classes, one of my, uh, some classes are more intellectual and it's just knowledge information, but my real goal, remember how we spoke about the different, you know, different speakers have different goals. One of my, one of my goals, and, and this is something that's probably underlining almost every single class that I give, is you know, something that you can implement and change your life to make it better. And you know, there are some classes where it's just intellectual and it's, and it's you know, and it's nice. But there are other, the, the other classes I feel go a lot further. And I'll tell you why I feel like this goes a lot further. When you go and you give a, a beautiful class on depths of Torah, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm speaking to you guys once a week. And I'm not speaking every single day. I'm not giving a class every single day. So there's only so much that I can do to, uh, you know, I guess the right word, which I would strive to do, is the word is inspire. And may, maybe I don't live up to that, but that's really my goal and my focus. Um, and the idea behind inspiration is something that you could take away. And this is something that I try to implement in, in most of my classes, and that is to make sure that you have something that you take away, something that you could change your life. You could change your life for the better. If I give you a class and just like deep ideas of Torah, that's amazing. It's so, it's such, such on a high level. But the second that you finish the class, you'll be like, okay, you know, like let's move on to the next thing. But if I could implement an idea, or something that could change your life, then that's not, the class is never over. The ideas implement inside of you, and then you're forever, hopefully, making these changes in your life to becoming a better person. So, with that, with that mindset, like sometimes when you have too many ideas, the takeaway gets lost. And, uh, for that reason, I, I you know, I, I think it's important to make sure that it's a clear takeaway and something that you can um, change your life for the better. So Bezat Hashem will continue with this next week, Bezat Hashem, on Hakarat Tov and Gratitude. And with that, we will open up to uh, to questions. Okay. When you hear how easy it is for Hashem to create everything, how can it not take away from Yarkarat Tov because He didn't put in the effort and work hard for you? Oh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. So sometimes we go and we look at gratitude or we look at what we want to say thank you based on how hard the other person worked for us. And that is very, very often the way that we look at things. Now, I'm not saying that it's a wrong way to look at things because it's only natural that our mind focuses on that. The more that you work for someone, the harder, the more gratitude that you have to have. And it's true. But, and this is a very big but, that if you go and you don't focus on what the other, how hard it was for the other person to do it to you, but rather how much of an effect it had on you. So you have two focuses that you could have. You could have on the focus on the giver and how much that took into uh, into place, whether it's work, whether it's effort, whether it's money, whatever it was, how much that giver did. Or you could look at how much it had an effect on you. Now, if you look at what the giver did, 
So you can have a, a, a billionaire that gives you a million dollars and be like, wait a minute, it made no difference to them, so why should I be grateful? It didn't change in, you know, in their heart. But then you have somebody that gave you $5 and they're barely scrapping by it, then you should be thanking him from today until tomorrow. Uh, who knows what? But if you change that, that mindset and you say, okay, what, how did this happen to affect me? The million dollars got a lot further than the $5. So you're, who are you going to be more thankful for for the million dollars, even though the $5 guy gave a lot more and it took a lot more effort? So really, the way that we're supposed to look at our Karsatov is balance these two ideas, what the giver gave and what you received. So, and, and you have to focus, and this is going to be something that you have to bounce back and forth. Whatever is greater, that's what you have to focus for if you really want to strive to have a good Karsatov, good gratitude. So if... There is something, and most of the times is what the, what the giver gave to me is what I feel so great. My spouse went and, you know, made me dinner, or whatever it was, made me some food, or bought me some flowers. Like, uh, it might have been, you know, 15 minutes, throw it in the microwave, or go past a gross, uh, you know, store or a flower store and buy me some flowers. And that might have been something that was like, okay, it wasn't so much work. But when I look at it from my angle, wait a minute, they thought about me. They, they prepared about me and they, and they, so you have two different angles to looking at life. To do two different angles looking at it. You look at a Kiddush Baruch will be like, Kiddush Baruch create everything like this. That's true. And he did. But what did the effect that it have on me? Like, look, I look at the trees. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I could appreciate it. Now I could breathe, you know, my oxygen because the, the trees are able to take that carbon dioxide and they're able to change it into the oxygen. I have so much to be grateful for what it did for me. Forget about how hard it went into it. Look at what it gains for my life. So you always have to look at what's greater and focus on that. And with that, you'll have the ability to go and have tremendous amount of Akar Satov. Next question. Is it more effective to pray for something or have gratitude for what you have? I believe that goes both. It's hand in hand. Meaning that the way that you should pray, the best way to pray, is to, have, to be grateful for what you have and then ask for what you want. Um, uh, you know, it, as opposed to being just great, even though great gratitude in itself is a great power, you also, it's very important to pray and, and speak to HaKadosh Baruch for what you want. And be very particular. Be very particular. I want X, Y, and Z. Of course, you're never supposed to marry. The, you, never, you, want, you never want to pray that you want to marry a particular person. You want to marry the right person. You have to be very, you know, um, accurate in how you pray. And you also don't want to be too descriptive because then you're, you're locking yourself into one particular person. That might, person might not be right for you. But at the end of the day, the, uh, the, the, the gratitude that you have will take that prayer that you're going to ask for and, and put it on steroids and make it a thousand times stronger. So the correct way, the best way, again, it's not always easy. Sometimes you just pray and you just ask and ask and ask. And again, that's also very powerful and very strong and you should keep on doing that. But to make it a little bit stronger is to be grateful, to be thankful for what you have, and then take the next step and say, please, like this Baruch give me more, or give me X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that you want. Okay. What is the website for A-Time? Oh, perfect. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you for, for uh, writing that. Okay, next. Um, next question. Is there an issue with saying thank you too often? I genuinely appreciate things that people do and express my thanks, even though it may, seem, it may be seemingly small. Or something being done for someone else, not for me, but for some close family member, it must not be sincere if I'm always if I'm always saying it. It devalues the thank you. So I definitely hear what you're saying. When you you know you have some people that just say thank you a thousand times. Um, I don't think that you should stop that. 
I think that you should continue with that. Uh, number one, because people appreciate that. Even somebody goes and says, okay, stop with the thank yous already. It's like you give someone a compliment, I'll be like, oh, stop it. You know, like they don't want you to stop it. You know, like, you know, for a woman, if, if, if your husband goes and be like, you're so beautiful, you know, like I can't believe I was so lucky to marry you, be like, stop it. You know, like you're not saying stop it. No, like, no, no, no. Continue like and 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 bring it forth a thousand times more. You know, I'm not saying stop. You know, like, but like, you know, that's what you have to say. Like, stop it. Like, you go and you tell somebody a thousand times, thank you. They'll be like, all right, I get the idea. You know, like, you appreciate. Stop it. What they're saying is like, stop it. But like, don't forget about what I just did for you. You know, like, because everybody appreciates that. You know, your your husband builds a sukkah and be like, wow, you're so strong. Be like. He was like, it was nothing, you know, like these boards are so light. Be like, yeah, but like you did so many at a time. Like I saw, you know, you ever see, you know, you have a husband or your father, whatever it is. Men, how do they bring in groceries? We don't like to make two trips, right? We, everything should be one trip. So there's about 7,000 bags, you know, on our hands over here. And we are screaming. We're saying, Shira Malastak, and we're holding on that and we're kicking a watermelon on one foot. And then you're moving a 20, you know, you know, the six, you know, gallon Poland spring things from the other side. And you're like sweating over there and you bring it in. And your wife is looking at you and be like, what is wrong with you? Just take, it's like 15 feet. Just take two trips. So you could say that and be like, why can't you just take two trips? Like, why? Like, I literally see veins popping out of your forehead that I've never seen before. Like, you you know, like, why you're doing this? Like, you could go that way. Or you could be like, my man, you are so strong. Oh, my gosh. I can't. You know, I barely I had to make 16,000 trips to bring this from the car to the car. And I can't believe you did everything in one shot. That's amazing. And what is the guy going to be like? Be like, all right, fine. You know, like I got enough with the compliments already. But deep down, he's like, gone. What else? What else am I great at? You know, what else? You know, like I'm very smart, right? I don't know. Like guys are gonna say that. Of course, everybody wants to hear that. So when you give too much thank yous, yeah, people are gonna tell you, no, 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 you know, enough with the thank yous. But deep down, everybody wants it. Nobody wants. Everybody wants to hear the, the gratitude. That's from the other person. But even better, more so for yourself. Also, that if you want to say thank you and you stop yourself and you prevent yourself from saying thank you, I don't agree. with I don't like that because that changes your personality. Like your personality, be like you want to be grat- grateful, and I'll be like, no, wait, I want. The, the same way that if you're not in the mood of saying thank you and you say thank you, it, it becomes part of ingrained in you. If you're a type of person that says thank you and you hold yourself back from saying thank you, that's going to stop who you are as a person. You're going to stop saying thank you. You should say thank you a thousand times. I think it's very important. And if you have that um, character trait that you say thank you too much, don't stop it. And if somebody says, why do you say thank you so much? It's so weird. So send them this class. Please send them this link to this class and then let them reach out to me and then I will set them straight. Let's put it that way. Um, okay, next. I want to share something remarkable and life-changing. Ooh, good start. Maybe others want to try this. I try to thank Hashem every single morning for giving me another day that I am alive. That I was physically able to sleep and wake up in the morning. That nothing hurts me or at least not severely, Baruch Hashem. That I can get out of bed, etc., etc. This perspective gives me a better day and there are hundreds of additional things to thank Hashem throughout the day. That is amazing and I certainly, certainly recommend that for everybody. When you go throughout your day, or even when you wake up in the morning, say thank you that you were able to wake up. Many people don't wake up in the morning. It's a scary thought. Granted, Judaism 
does implement this in Modani. We appreciate it that Kodesh Baruch woke us up. But, like, there's a difference when you say something. Have you ever, like, daven something, and then you, like, read it in English, and you'll be like, wow, this is beautiful. Like, I can't... I'm like, you've been davening this for, like, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of your life, and you never once realized what it said until you're like, this is so nice. You know, like, I agree with this idea. So definitely, definitely to learn what you're saying, but also to think Kaddish Baruch in your own words. Definitely true. We can thank Hashem for hours upon hours and hours. Very, very true. Oh, here we go. Someone agrees with me. Break it up. I gave you this excuse in last class in gratitude. This is a great memory. Thank you. Oh, it was ca- okay, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to know if you want to mention it on the online thing, but thank you. Okay, oh, here we go. Another uh, question or comment. About a year and a half ago, a friend gave me the idea to make a thank you Hashem wall. And so every day I added a post-it note of what I was grateful for that day. I've noticed two things. One is that as time went on, my writing got smaller and more cramped, and I recently moved it to, into bigger post-it notes because the more I was grateful for, the more I noticed every single day. And two, anytime, and two, oh, and two, anytime I'm going through a hard experience, I look at the hundreds of notes at the wall, and I immediately realize how much bracha I have in my life and how everything Hashem does for me is good. That is amazing. That thank you for sharing that. Like, it was a private chair, so I'm not going to mention your name, but like, thank you. That is amazing. Have a thank you, Hashem wall. Isn't that an amazing idea? Like, I didn't think about that. Like, go and have a wall where you sticky note, where you, like a, one of those yellow sticky notes, and you say, thank you, Hashem, for whatever it was. Like, you know, something unique that happened that day, and stick it on a wall. I have to implement that. I have to ask my wife where I'm allowed to put it. But I think that's a great idea. That is amazing. I, beautiful. You, you made my day. This is a, this is such a great idea. You know, like, and of course, if you're having a bad day, you look at that wall of thank yous, you're like, look at what you're grateful for. There's like so much. There's like so much what this Baruch did. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Is it okay if I share a link to an amazing science and God clip showing the miraculous experience of seed plant in the ground and sprouting these plants? Please do. Okay, if it helps anyone writing down something you're thankful for in a notebook every day makes such a big difference. Yes, I'm a big uh, a big believer in that. Where where um, you know Rabbi Zachariah Watson was also big into the Sefer Zechronias. Where and I have a friend of mine, um, uh, you know that that uh, took out brought, took out a Sefer um, where there is every single day you have the ability to go and write what you're thankful for. Gave a little bit of thing about a car, so tov and everything like that, and it has the safer you can, you know, buy it in a, in a, um, you know, in this farm store. Um, okay. Uh, oh, next question over here. Will the Rav be giving a class on the safer? But while since suggested, oh, you're talking about the Kavayasher, right? You're talking about you guys are talking about the Kavayasher. I'm assuming you're talking about the Kavayasher. So you know, over Shavuos, I was thinking a lot about it. I learned. Um, I, I, I finished the Sefer, you know, a while back, but I was, you know, there's a difference when you're learning the Sefer and then you're learning, preparing it to speak. And um, I, I learned it in a way that how am I going to go and speak about it? I think I will try it. I'd, I usually like to finish things, but we'll first finish the Imuna series that I want to finish. We're almost finished about it. And I think I'm going to try it. My thought process in trying it, but I'm going to do things a little bit different. But the 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 I know I mentioned before that uh, you know I wanted to do a um, 
you know, a poll, I guess, of who, what would people appreciate more, the Pirkei Avos series or a Kavayasha series. So if you do have a, a, a particular say, please put it in the comment section now. Um, because at the end of the day, yes, I do want to hear what people say in the virtual world and you can always email me. But at the end of the day, um, people that come to the live classes have a stronger say in what I will be doing with Latashan. But I am thinking about doing it. But if you have one thing or the other, please send me a message on, up on the chat or you could, uh, email me at rabbizetron at torahanytime.com. Okay. But I am thinking about that. But, but it's something that I'm going to, I'm going to start. I don't know if I will go forward with it. And there's a few few reasons why. And if and when, Hashem, I do start it, I'll explain the reasons why. Okay. Uh, thank you, Rabbi, for the ongoing chizik in the Torah week by week. Baruch Hashem, thank you. Hashem should bench you. Oh, wow, with many more years. Baruch Hashem, amen. Thank you for the beautiful blessing. You're little chin. Oh, wow. Be- thank you so much for the beautiful, beautiful message. Okay, when you go to shul, are you supposed to start from where the congregation is starting or from the beginning? So it depends on a lot of factors of where you're holding. So for a man, when they're diving with a minion, they, they, um, uh, there are certain things where you're supposed to, if let's say you get to, I don't want to get to it now because it's, there's too much time to go to where, what you are able to skip, but there's, but specifically for men, where you're supposed to dive with a minion, if you come at a certain point in time, there are different sections that you are supposed to skip so that you're able to, you know, dive in with a minion, uh, with the, with the, with the t-bar. So it depends on where you're holding and, you know, one of the series that I'm working on is the series and we'll go through all the details on, you know, on that. Uh, okay. Always have an attitude of gratitude. I love that sign. Love that, that, that line. Attitude of gratitude. A handwritten gratitude list draws out all, drowns out all depression. A hundred percent agreed. You said how we're supposed to be good guests and how we shouldn't say that the host wasn't anyways doing it and it wasn't for me. But really, it's true. Hashem would have created all the things even if it wasn't around and even if it wasn't for me. That is true in a certain sense. But we also know that the world was created for me. The world is really for me. And yes, you could look at it and saying the host also, right? You go to someone as a, as a guest. And the host was gonna make a meal anyways for their family. They, you know, yes, they made it for you. So you, the, the outlook that you have could be two ways. The host had to do it anyways. And what's a big deal? Or the host did everything for me. The difference is not about what the host does or what the host feels. The difference is how you feel. If you realize that the host did all for you, you'll be so grateful, so thankful, and you'll be so more, more appreciative. So if you look at a, the, a God's creation saying this was all done for me, this was all done for me, and there's a truth in that, the world was created for me, then yes, you're going to go and you're going to appreciate so much more. It doesn't matter if the world was going to create this world for somebody else. It has nothing to do with you. You're here in this world. You're created. You're alive today. You're appreciating it. You have the ability, the opportunity, and might I say the obligation to think this way. Can you... Uh, so can you ask for happiness? Is it specific? You should. I, I'm, ask, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're asking if you could pray for happiness. You should for sure pray for happiness. How can we be thankful that we're still in Gullus? Okay, so there's a lot of more messages that uh, came up over here. So I want to go through it, uh, you know, really quickly. You know what? No. Let's do it this way. Give me uh, one minute. Um, the next question we have over here is, how can we... How can we be thankful that we're still in Gullus? So, there, when we look at when Mashiach comes and we're outside of Gullus anymore, there is no more 
opportunities that we have for growth. Meaning that right now, when Mashiach comes, you know, and there's Tchias HaMesim, your free will is, is going to go down, you know, like to very to a different level. I like we spoke about this in the Mashiach series. But like, you won't have the ability to grow and to change your life, to become a better person. You're going to stay the way that you are. So while we're still in Gullus, yes, we want Mashiach, and we want the Gullus to end, and we want the base of English to be rebuilt, and we want to be able to give Karbanas, and we want to just Mashiach, when we want all this to end, and we do, but the fact that we're still here, that gives us an opportunity to collect, and to grow, and to change who we are, more than we would be able to do once Mashiach comes. So we always have to look at the both sides. Now again, we shouldn't be happy that we're in Gullus. We shouldn't be happy that we don't have Mashiach yet. But now that we're here, let us capitalize on the on the moment. Okay, next thing is, oh, maybe you're not always supposed to be happy. No, we always have to be happy. Is that Rabbi Nachman of Brasov said it? Mitzvah G'dal Elias B'Zim I don't know if I think it was, I don't know if, uh, uh, whatever it is, it's a, it, it is. It's, it's, you, we always have to be, we always have to be happy. And we always, even when it comes to, you know, the destruction of the time of the Vesem Mikdash and Mishchadish of and Tisha B'Av, Ma'atim B'Simcha, the, you know, the Shulchan Aruch tells us, the halacha is that we reduce in our happiness. Meaning that we're always supposed to be happy, but even in the sad times, we're still happy, we still have this happiness, the Simcha Sachayim, this happiness of life, but we're reducing it. We're never depressed, we're never sad, we're never, like of course, the, I shouldn't say sad, we're never depressed. Sad is, yeah, sometimes we're sad. You know, you lose a loved one, there's difficulties a person, it's normal to have this sadness, but happiness is something that we always have to have. Sometimes I <clears throat> sometimes I struggle asking for things because I feel like it's a paradox. If someone was truly grateful, how could they ask for something else? That's true. That's true. If you're fully grateful for something, you're not going to ask a bracha because you're so thankful for it. Like if you get this lollipop and you're so thankful, you're not going to ask for another lollipop. Like someone just wrote you a check for ten billion dollars, you're not going to be like, "Can I have another one?" Just, just, just like make it eleven billion. Like you're, you're so grateful. You're not going to ask because you're so. It's true, but when we're honest with ourselves and we realize where we're holding, we, you know, we ask. We, you know, it's it's our Father. It's our Father in heaven. This Rahul gave us so much, and we do ask, and it's good to ask. It really is good to ask. You, you, we realize that this Rahul wants us to ask. Wants us to go and say, "What do you want, my child? What can I give you?" This Rahul wants us to ask. So even though it is a paradox where if you're really, really grateful, you're not going to ask for anything, but unless you're on that level, and you should be asking. And most of us are not on the level, and we should be asking, and you know, we should be davening. Even Sadiqim, even the highest level, they're still davening for a foolish lema for certain people. Why? If Like, obviously there's, because tefillah, again, we're going to get to it when we speak about tefillah, when we speak about asking for things, but the gist of it is that you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to ask, and you're supposed to be grateful, even though it seems to be contradicting. And Bezat Hashem, hopefully we'll speak about it once we start the, 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 the tefillah um, series. Okay, I heard two opposite things about prayer. One is that you should ask for particulars, every detail. Another is that it's even better not to ask for particulars, but to trust that Hashem gives you what you need and simply daven that everything should be for the good. So which one is it? Okay, so um, the correct way to daven for things, and again, it depends on each one's level, but I'll tell you the general the general rule. The general rule is that you're supposed to daven, you're supposed to pray for what you want, in particular. That's a general rule. Now, when I say in particular, 
uh, you shouldn't pray that you want a particular job. You shouldn't pray that you want like like a specific job. You shouldn't pray that you want to marry a specific person. That's 100% wrong. You never, ever, ever, ever want to pray that you want to marry a specific person or you want to have a particular job because you don't know if that's good for you. You don't know if that person's meant for you. You don't know if this job is going to be good for you. You don't know what tests it brings in it. What you should pray for is you should pray for something specific. You want to pray that you marry a righteous spouse, a spouse that is good to you, a spouse that has a good relationship, a good ethics, a good you know parent. I mean, you know, There's so many things that you should be very specific, but when you're dealing with a specific person or specific, that you shouldn't because that you don't know. Because you only like this Baruch knows what's good for you. So really, what you're looking at this question is that you should have in that everything should be good, or you should have in particulars. Really, it's not a contradiction. Because really, you should have in for everything, and then you're asking this Baruch whatever it is good, that's what you're giving me. Because I'm not davening for a particular person, because I don't know if that's good. I'm davening that I want to get married. I'm davening that I want to be successful in business. I'm davening that I want to be successful in spirituality, in Yiddishkeit, and grow and come closer to you, but... How I'm gonna get there and do I, you know that more than I do, so I can just send me the right person, send me the right shliach, send me the right rabbi, send me the right, send me the right connection that I need to get to, but you're davening very, very specific. Okay. Uh, okay. Is Hashem happy when we thank Him? So yes, and I'll tell you, but, but, but like, let me clarify that. Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need you, right? It's very, very important. I once heard a class. I was very bothered by it. God needs you. No, God doesn't need you. That's bothered me to the point that I was like boiling up. I like God does not need you. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is all powerful, all knowing. All like Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't need. Us. He doesn't need me to give a shear. He doesn't need us to do anything. Because Baruch Hu is fine without us. We're here because of Kedush Baruch Hu's kindness and chesed and mercy. That's why we're here. The uh, the uh, the fact that I'm able to give a class, it's a, it's a kindness that Kedush Baruch Hu gave me. You know, it's it's a fact that you're able to listen to that. It's a, a kindness that Kedush Baruch Hu gave you. So when you think of Kedush Baruch Hu, it's not like Kedush Baruch Hu is like, oh, I was waiting for that. It's not, but what... If you have a child, right? Let me explain it this way. If you have a child and the child says, thank you for putting a roof over my head. Are you going to be like, okay, now I'm going to continue putting a roof over your head? No, you're going to always put a roof over your child's head. Assuming you're able to because, you know, it's your child. and You need, you know, you want to and you need to take care of this child. Are you going to be happy when this child says, thank you for the roof that you're anyways giving that? Of course, you're going to be happy. Because it's your child, and the child is growing. The child is appreciating, so of course you're going to be happy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give us certain things, and granted, well, not everything, because certain things we have to dive for if you want to get it, and certain things we have to earn it. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees us as children, as doing something good and growing, of course it's going to, it, it, there's going to be happiness. But the idea of happiness is very, very human. And, and, and I don't want to, like, you know, give a wrong idea, like, yes, you just made Akadish Baruch happy. But in a sense, yes. But in a sense, Akadish Baruch doesn't need you. So I, I don't know if I answered your question or made it more confusing. But the idea is that Akadish Baruch wants everybody to do good and get reward for that good. And that, in a sense, you could call it happiness to a certain extent. Okay. 
On Yom Kippur, is it better to daven with the chazan for kedusha and amains, etc., or understand what you're saying and take it slower? So it depends on what you're referring to, but generally, if to say it slower and to have kavana, it's probably better. So let's say, let me give you an example of this. Let's say you're davening a long spin right? So you can either hurry up and then you can be together with the Chazar Shashats, or you could have it a longer, more slower, a concentrated Shemona Esrei. So you should focus on a more slower, concentrated Shemona Esrei. Okay, if we say Ani in the morning, right when we wake up, do we repeat it again? Do we repeat it again during tefillah? So when you say Ani in the morning, you, you, don't say, you, you don't say the whole thing. Right? So you only say the first, was it 12 or 13 words? You only say the first 13 words, right? But you don't say the, you don't say the full sentence. Once you go and you daven, then you say, uh, the full sentence, which is with Akadish Baruch's name and, uh, you know, everything you, as you see in the Siddur. Okay. This is the, okay, fine. Here's the, the clip. Can we do Tayag Mitzvahs? So the answer is no. We can't do Tayag mitzvahs because some mitzvahs are for a woman that lost her husband and she has to marry, you know, her brother, you know, Yibam. There's some mitzvahs that are just for Kohanim. There's some mitzvahs that are just for Levian. There's some mitzvahs that are for women. There's some mitzvahs for men. But, 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 you could do Tayag mitzvahs in a way that you learn it. When you learn something that you cannot do, it counts as if you did it or if you help somebody that does it. What is the Kava Yashar about? The Kava Yashar is a very, very Kabbalistic work that is about, it's, it's focuses on Musr, on ethical, uh, you know, making yourself a better person, but it speaks a lot about demons, about the other side, about the spirits. It's very, very Kabbalistic. And, and I'll tell you, like on Shavuos, I was learning it during the night, and I was going back and forth. Should I speak about this? Should I not? Should I speak about this? And I was going, I, I, I was, and, and I had Baruch Hashem, this Baruch who guided me in a certain way that I think I would be able to present it like a Kavi Yashar theme is where I'm, where I'm going through. But, um, we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see. It's something that I'm still, I'm still working on, I'm still thinking about. And, um, I think I want to try it. I do think I want to try it. But, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like starting things that I don't finish. I'm very, I'm very big into uh, starting something and you've got to finish something. I remember when I was in my early 20s, I went to this big rav. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I remember it was a big rav. I don't remember which one. There was a few rabbanim that I used to go to and I don't remember which one it was. Taught me something that I try to implement to this day. And that is when you start something, it's very important to finish it. And I, and, I, and I really try doing that. If I start something, you know, you, know, you have to finish it. But this Kaviyasha, I, I am not sure. It's very Kabbalistic. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to try it. Because at the end of the day, I give, you know, one of these, one class a week goes online. I want to make sure that it's impactful, that it's something. Th- there's a lot of factors that I'm, that I'm thinking about, that, it's, that it is something, unless everybody just wants Pirkei Elvis, then we'll do that. And, you know, somebody said there's so many Pirkei Elvis here. It's true, but everyone does it a little bit differently. And if you know anything about me, there's a lot of Mashiach series. Baruch Hashem, you know, when we give a share, it's a little bit different than anybody else. That's it with Hashem's help. Okay, so here we see over here, Kaviyashar, please. Oh, here we got both. You know, I was actually thinking about that, to do a little bit of both, jump around a little bit, you know, mix it up. One week of this, maybe two weeks of this, maybe three, you know, like, mix up of it, maybe. Oh, interesting. We got here a Tanya series. Tanya. Tanya, that is, first of all, Kaviyasha is not many series on there. 
Tanya, there is hundreds of series on it, but the truth is Tanya, if you talk about Kabbalistic, if you ever learn Tanya, Tanya is super, super Kabbalistic. And it's a very, very, it's, it's a class that you have to, it's not a class, it's a, it's a safer that you really have to concentrate on. It's a beautiful, beautiful safer, but it's very, very, very deep and very Kabbalistic. I don't know if I'll do a Tanya series, but that's a good idea. Oh, wow. Okay, it seems like we have a lot of Kavayashar. We have a few of both, but a lot of Kavayashar. Okay, interesting. Okay, maybe. Kindly, exp- uh, kindly explain free will. Is it in fact free will? Is it in fact free will? Okay, I'm not sure about the question um, because... I am not sure where the question is. It's probably to something that I said before, and I'm trying to think of what I said if it's free will. And it could be about two things that's coming to my mind. So if you could please clarify what your question was on free will, and I'll try to answer it. Okay. Um, um, all right, this class was amazing. Baruch Hashem, thank you so much. But one thing that is bothering me, we know that in Navi, Hannah couldn't have any children. And I'm sure... Oh, I lost it. Oh, here it is. I'm sure she was extremely thankful for everything, but only when she went to Hashem and almost demanded that she get a child. Why did she ha- only have a child after demanding? Okay, so I'm going to give you an answer not particular to Hannah, but, but more of a broader answer, because I believe this question is not really particular to that, but it's more of a, broad, a broader question. So... The question is, why does HaGadosh Baruch Hu give us, you know, answers only in certain scenarios? Like, you have, like, sometimes G'daylim, you know, Tzaddikim, the, the righteous of the generation, where they go and, you know, you go and you ask them for a child, let's say, and they, they can't promise you. And they say, oh, if you find somebody who does and gets embarrassed and doesn't answer back, and then you're, you're different, you know, everybody, there's different angles that you can go to. Why? Why do we have to go through that? So, to understand this idea is that, we all have pre, what would be the right word for it? We all have paths in our lives that we need to drive down. And sometimes we don't want to drive down that path. We want a different path. We want a path, like some people have a path of no children, unfortunately. And that obviously they don't want that path. They want a path of children. Some people have a path of like no parnasa, but obviously they don't want that. They want a path of parnasa. Some people have a path of like not, not getting married. They want a path of get. So how could you go and you change your path that was predestined, which is the word that I was thinking about using, to, you know, to you? And everybody has different things and different reasons of why they have their destiny, let's call it, or their purpose, their tafkid, better yet, in this world. And if you want to change, and you are able to, if a person you know, was put into this earth and they weren't supposed to have children, they could change that to a certain extent. If a person wasn't supposed to be wealthy, they could change that to a certain extent, you know, through tshuva, through nice and tevi, the different things. So why, and the, the idea of why Hannah had to demand that, and that's what... We don't know Haggadish Baruch calculations. We don't know of why we were put in here, but sometimes we are zoha, we merit to tap into the reason of why we weren't supposed to have something, 
And we're able to change that. And for everybody, it's something else because we're all put into this world for a different purpose, for a different tafkit. And if we're able to tap into that and we're able to achieve that purpose, utilizing a different path, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will allow us to take that, especially if we daven for that. So if somebody was predestined not to have children, but they work on themselves, that they were able to overcome any obstacles or difficulties that they were supposed to come by living that life, they could have that child now and still get their tafkid. But everybody's path is different. So we don't know, for one person, it's the man, whatever, everybody has a different path and a different way to get a shortcut out of that path or into a different path. And only Akadosh Baruch Hu knows that. So that's why we have to constantly strive for greatness in all different areas, whether it's Tznias, whether it's davening, whether it's Chaset, whatever it is, because we never know what that one thing is, is that going to knock us out of that negative path that we're on and put us on the positive path. Okay. Can the Rav do a class on raising children with the right chinuch? That's a good class. That's a good, that's a good topic. I can't even imagine one class of that. It has to be like a series. It has to be, that has to be a series. But that's, that's not that's a good idea. Can you dive in for something in particular and ask for it to be good for you? Yes, with an asterisk. And when you go into the footnotes, it depends on how particular. You can't, you shouldn't ask, Oh, let me marry this guy and let it be good for me. Let me marry this girl and let it be good for me. Technically, you could, but you shouldn't. Um, uh, but you could ask for something in particular and let it be good for you, meaning that, let's say it's not good for a person to be a multi-billionaire. But you could ask, be like, please let me be very, very wealthy and let me be good. Let me let it be good for me. Let it make me come closer to you, Akadish Baruch So you could in that sense. So it depends on what in particular. So it really depends on what you're asking for. But uh, you can either send it to me or or we can speak offline on the particulars. But there is a angle that you could technically, I see, go that down that way. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.